Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the midweek edition of the Must Read Alaska podcast. I want to welcome everybody. Thank you for joining with me today. Now, as always, I just want to encourage you to take a couple of seconds and give us a five-star review. It helps us when people are searching for Alaska political content. It helps us when people are searching for specific keywords that we talk about and topics that we discuss on this show. Uh, if you also want to just take another few additional seconds and write us a written review, that would be incredible as well. We love hearing from our listeners. You guys have been extremely positive, and we appreciate everything that you do when you write us a review. So again, just take a few seconds, give us a five-star review, and if you have a little bit more time, go ahead and give us a written review as well. Well, today's show is packed. I've got a lot to talk about in under 30 minutes, so we're going to get started with some quick hits here. And the first thing we're going to talk about is something that I've been harping on this show for a while now, particularly since the turn of the new year, and that's turnout for voting. And right now, we're looking at a very substantial decrease in voter turnout this year as opposed to this time last year. Now, what does that voter turnout decrease? What percentage does that equal out to? Well, if you look at Must Read Alaska, you can look at a uh, article written by our fearless leader, Suzanne Downing. Uh, it's under the title, No Show. So far, voter turnout in Anchorage is low compared to last year. And how low? 33% decrease in turnout over last year, which is huge. It is huge. I'm extremely concerned at what's going on right now. Now, as of Tuesday night, only 24,315 votes have come in thus far. As opposed to last year, we had about 40,875 votes. This is extremely concerning, people. I told you, voter apathy is the biggest hindrance to change in any system. It really is. Voter apathy is the biggest hindrance to any change in any system, particularly a democratic one like the one we have, where you actually can vote. And it's worth something. Now, I get it. I get it. There's people out there who are going to say, listen, did you not see the 2020 election? Did you not see all the voter issues? Did you not see all that? And, and listen, I get it. There's a lot of distrust and a lot of disinformation out there. But I'm telling you, now is not the time to say, what does it matter? It's not the time to say, what does it matter? Because it does matter. I can't tell you enough. You think doing nothing is going to help you? Then you're wrong. You're only going to despise what happens to your city, your municipality, your state, if you continue to not vote. It is super frustrating. Listen, I know there's a couple hundred people that, that listen to this podcast just right off the bat when we put it out there. But I'm telling you, share this podcast with people. And if they only listen to the first five minutes of me rambling on about how ridiculous it is that we have a low turnout, then I don't care as long as they turn out and vote. At this point right now, my irritation with the fact that we're at this point is beyond measure. It really is, people. We, we have no excuse why conservatives should not be out there voting for change. You see what is happening to the city. And if you don't think that trying to get a conservative mayor elected 
is not going to snowball into other areas of municipality government, then you're you're just mistaken. If you want momentum, you've got to create it. And creating it is by voting for a change in what we have now. What we have is the exact opposite of conservatism. Not only that, but I understand the frustration of, well, by the time that conservative or conservatives get into government, that CARES Act money, that relief money, that all that bailout money will be gone because they'll have spent it. Sure. But there are other ways to recoup that. And by you saying, well, right now, I don't get what I want, is just an absolute childish thing to do. It's childish. Stop being a child. Get out there and vote. If you're a conservative, vote. And let me just switch this to one more thing. Actually, before I do that, let me finish that thought. The reason why many on the left are able to implement and get things and push policy and obtain office is because, and I've said this to numerous people in conversation, they're playing chess while we're playing checkers. It's one of the greatest things about conservatives and also one of the most infuriating things about conservatives in politics. Conservatives refuse to go lock and step with one common message and goal. It's just not in the nature. It just really isn't. We do not want to be we we do not want to be homogenous. That is not our makeup. However, the shadow side to that is the fact that when it comes to a need to be homo- homogenous, we can't do it. We can't do it. And it's it's actually a downfall a lot of times in politics for us. It really is. It's a downfall in politics for us because we refuse to just at least rally behind one message, one candidate, one policy, one idea to push it through. It's the reason why the left has infiltrated many aspects of homogenous subgroups within our culture and have created that environment where once they infiltrate now everybody has to abide by that same program or they're ostracized or canceled or whatever. And we'll talk more about cancel culture here in a minute and that hypocrisy. But regardless, we have got to change our tactics. And now with ballot measure two, are you kidding me? Jungle primaries, ranked choice voting. You don't think that's going to change the way we have to do campaigning, uh, voting, all of that? It is going to be difficult. And here's my last point. If it goes into a runoff, by just sheer stats, the number of votes are going to decrease significantly. Don't let that be the conservative voice. Don't let it be the conservative voice. Don't. Make sure that you vote until your candidate is winning or won. Do not relent. I'm telling you, do not relent. And if you do, I don't want to hear people in the streets upset when you didn't continue on the voting process. You know how it works here in Anchorage. It's it's not a surprise anymore. There will be a runoff more than likely. All right. Well, I'm off my soapbox now. Let's turn to an old uh, an old face here in Alaska, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin came out in People Magazine this week and, and essentially was pushing for the use of masks and wearing masks. Now, um, I know a lot of you frustrated probably with that. But listen, I get it. When you contract COVID-19, when when you've got it, it it changes a little bit your perspective. For a lot of people, it does. And for Palin, she she got it. 
She knew she had it by the fact that she lost her taste and smell, which are two major indicators of the virus. And she tested positive along with people in her family. Now, I, I can imagine she had a lot of concern, uh, not just for her, but for her family members. Uh, I'm sure some of her family members were compromised. So, yeah. And uh, so here's her quote, one of her quotes from the magazine article here. I strongly encourage everyone to use common sense to avoid spreading this and every other virus out there. So that's a stretch, my friends. Now we're kind of getting into weird territory. Every other virus out there. So we're going to wear masks now because of flu. She continues, there are more viruses than there are stars in the sky, meaning we'll never avoid every source of illness or danger. But please be vigilant. Don't be afraid. Don't be frightened, I guess. And I advise reprioritizing some personal time and resources to ensure a healthy a lifestyle as you can create. So when viruses do hit, you have at least some armor to fight it. Now, I can get behind some of that for sure. I can get behind, be vigilant. Don't be frightened. Um, you know, stay healthy. I think we, we, <laughs> that last one, we could all use a, a lot more of being healthy, having a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Here's my concerning statement. We're now beginning to use language and I'm a language guy. I'm a marketer. I'm a communicator, uh, public relations, that kind of stuff. Here's what's concerning to me. It wasn't what she actually said, why we should you know, I don't even care about the viruses, more stars in the sky. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, our, our universe is pretty massive. Uh, but that's beside the point. That's my biology chemistry degree coming out. Um, here's the problem. It, it's not even that I strongly encourage everyone to use common sense to avoid the spread of this. It's the part of that sentence afterwards that's got me concerned. In every other virus out there. That... that kind of language is dangerous because what that's doing is that's enabling those who want to impose more sanctions and power to mask wearing, to mandates. That empowers them to go beyond just the COVID-19 issue here. That empowers them to create a world and create a country in us that requires masks everywhere, no matter what's going on, including after the pandemic has wind down. Whenever that is. So there's just some dangerous language in this comment that concerns me. Because, again, she's a high-profile figure, politically connected. And to it seems it seems like a throwaway, but it's not. I got to imagine she's maybe looking back on this and either going, oops, I probably shouldn't have done that. The way that came off was not just COVID-19, but any virus out there. So, again, I go back to my statement before. So... Every we have to wear it all the time because flu is always around. Is that what we're saying? So I'm just concerned about it. I get it. I'm sure she got scared. You know, I had COVID nineteen. Um, it wasn't fun. Uh, it wasn't fun. But at the same time, too, uh, I just I can't continue to mask wearing is just such. It's a joke, and now it's it's so politicized now that it's not even really an implementation of what it was originally there for, which was to try to help mitigate the spread. Now it's it's a political tool to use to shame people and to put people on blast and put them on TikTok and Twitter and you know YouTube or whatever. It's 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 essentially a video meme at this point. But you know, I get it. I'm just really concerned about that language. I, I think more often than not when 
when politicians and athletes do these kinds of interviews with these popular magazines and they just spout out things. Um, for me, that's the thing that jumped off the page. It, it just did. Every other virus out there. That's, I mean, we'll be, we'll be wearing masks all the time. There will be not a time if that's the, the again, I know that's not her policy that she's trying to push, but people take words and go, hey, Sarah Palin, she's a staunch Republican. She wants us not just to wear masks when we're, uh, we're in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic, but she wants us to wear a mask forever because it's every other virus out there. We should be uh, encouraging everybody to use common sense. Now, remember, these are all key buzzwords here. When she says common sense, you know, the left takes that as mask wearing, okay? Remember that. These are all buzzwords. What's being said is not really what's being said. I know. It's frustrating and challenging, especially when you're like, hey, I don't really follow politics a lot. But that's what it is. Common sense in this context is mask wearing. And so when you have that, I strongly encourage everyone to use their mask or wear their mask to avoid spreading this and every other virus out there. It's just dangerous. It's dangerous, particularly coming from a conservative uh, such as Palin. I don't mind that she's encouraging people to do that in terms of wearing masks for COVID-19, but you just got to be careful. All right, let's move on to our last quick hit. And that's uh, seems like Dunleavy is beginning to kind of shift some of his weight around here in the state of Alaska to make some points to the federal government about what Alaska will and will not tolerate in terms of economic viability. And, you know, it might be just the right time to do this. I don't know how much he can assert moving forward, but uh, Dunleavy has now decided that uh, the state will manage its over 800,000 miles of rivers and 30,000 acres of navigable lakes in Alaska. Uh, it was a story written up here on Must Read Alaska called Dunleavy to Biden. 62 years is long enough. Alaska today asserts our right to use navigation, navigable waters and will defend Alaskans. So here we go. Uh, I think this is a good first step in showing, hey, we're not really going to take the federal government coming into Alaska and essentially shutting down our economy. Uh, let me give you a little bit here of uh, some of the some of the points that were, were made. Um, we will be assessing those waters, or yeah, assessing those waters from this point forward. Dunleavy said, "If federal agents or federal officials overstep or harass Alaskans on state waters and lands, the state will step in and defend Alaskans." All right, there's already some kind of uh, there's a line being drawn here. There's a PP contest, and here we go. Alaska's trying to trying to throw some weight around, for lack of a better term. It continues on. After 62 years of federal delay and obstruction, the state of Alaska is asserting its management right over management rights over the vast network of navigable waters and submerged lands it received at statehood and will move aggressively to promote their use and enjoyment to serve the interests of Alaska people. Okay. Well, again, it, it seems for 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 people looking in, they're like, who cares? Who cares? So this is where, quote, Dunleavy is going to put his foot down. You got to understand it's baby steps here. It's baby steps. Um, Alaska has to respond to something. Keep in mind, the moment Biden in the Biden administration, Biden-Harris administration, stepped into office, there have been executive orders and legislation drawn up in in 
presented to the House that would cripple Alaska's economy, cripple it, just absolutely devastate our economy from tourism, excuse me, from tourism to um, natural resource exploration, development and processing, all of that. It, it would cripple us. We won't have a state. And I'm sorry, our state will not survive on healthcare and education. It just won't. I know it's one of the biggest expenditures, education in our state, but it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So there has to be steps taken, shown that Alaska is not just going to be pushed around here. And, and maybe some low-hanging fruit, but at least, at least we took a swat at it. And this is what's being done. This is where the, the, the governor has said, okay, we're going to start here and work our way. Because the bottom line is this. Those exploration, those leases, those, you know, resource development is all on federal land right now. The the feds control it. So what do you do? You try to make inroads in areas that you know you have a fighting chance in. And so that's what that's what's going on. And and I applaud Dunleavy for this. I mean, listen, I don't think you have to be on one side of the political spectrum or another. If you love this state and want to stay here and have income to do so. You're going to sack up and go ahead and just decide that, hey, I don't care if I have to decide with Democrats or Republicans. We are going to together fight against what is being done in, in Washington to our state. And that is heavy regulations, the inability to develop natural resources, and quite frankly, the death of our state. We talked about this um, a while ago when it came to... Um, you know, sending that letter to to the administration, the Biden administration, about how we as Alaskans weren't just going to sit here and allow um, allow Washington to dictate what we we're going to do with our state, and and almost every one of them, regardless of political affiliation, signed the letter. Really did, and so now, I, I mean, for me. It's very, very simple. We as Alaskans, regardless of political affiliation, need to stand up. We need to stand up. We just do. We just do. And I think it's imperative now that we do that. So I, I thought, you know what? Good for, good for Dunleavy. Way to, way to take the step up and, uh, and, and way to, uh, you know, way to start throwing some weight around at least where we can we have a fighting chance here all right let's get into some bigger news now I, I don't even know what time it is I, I've got you know I've got some minutes left uh, let's talk about uh, our favorite mayor candidate Forrest Dunbar yes Forrest is uh Forrest is showing that he is really raking in some of that dough that people are donating to him uh, at a frivolous and extremely fast rate but uh but listen, politics is an interesting game, as, as some of you or most of you know. Um, so here's the deal. If you can't donate directly to a candidate, what do you do? Well, you find organizations and nonprofits that can do the bidding for the candidate. It's a pretty essential and uh, quite frequent operation here. So uh, again... Go to an article on Must Read Alaska called Laundry Operation. San Francisco Group Donates Funds to Alaska Center. Alaska Center. We know a lot about them from uh, Lance Pruitt when he was running for re-election in District 27 this past fall. Which spends, again, this is the headline, which spends it to support Dunbar Rivera. 
So, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the backgrounds of how money is spent and how third-party operations work when it comes to um, campaign marketing for candidates, this is how it works. This is how it works. And, uh, and it, it's not a surprise. I mean, I've if you've been on social media, you've seen that the Alaska Center has done some significant... Um, well, I guess for lack of a better term, marketing for, for both, particularly Dunbar. I've uh, done a lot of marketing for Dunbar. And so this is, uh, this is very interesting, and I want to I quote something here. Our campaign has outraised Bronson and every other candidate in this race by tens of thousands of dollars, thanks to the contribution of more than 1,000 individual donors. From where? From where, Forrest? Where are they from? We've already talked about this on another podcast. He goes on, we've earned exclusive endorsements from the Anchorage Democrats, the Alaska Center, the Alaska AFL-CIO, more than a dozen labor unions, and a broad coalition of progressive groups and community leaders. Dunbar writes in his most recent plea for donations, not to mention that the Tide Foundation connection. Now, the Tide Foundation is a part of this whole story. Um, Now... Let me read you a little bit of the article here. The Tide Foundation Advocacy, a George Soros-funded group that has been described as an organization that washes away the paper trail between its grants and the original donor, has donated 55000 to the Alaska Center. Okay, remember that name, the Alaska Center. Uh, why would you remember that name? Well, in Mr. Dunbar's plea for more money, he said, exclusive endorsements from the Anchorage Democrats, the Alaska AFL, CIO, and... What's that? The Alaska Center? Man, that seems, that's interesting. 55 grand to Alaska Center. Wonder what they're going to do with that. The article continues, which in turn has spent the funds to elect Forrest Dunbar for mayor and retain Assemblymember Felix Rivera. Both Dunbar and Rivera are part of the extreme left wing of Anchorage Progressive Bloc that runs the Anchorage government. According to InfluenceWatch.org, Tides specializes, again, this is the company, the Tide Foundation Advocacy, specializes in directing grants to center-left advocacy or advocates or activist groups, however you want to put it, making it one of the biggest pass-through funders of left-wing nonprofits. Essentially, here's what happens. Hey, we need a candidate to get candidate money. Uh, we can't give it to them based on you know state rules and law. So what we're going to do is we're just going to usurp the actual candidate and give it to nonprofits and advocacy groups that will spend it for the candidate. That's how it goes. Those are PACs, and those are how advocacy groups use nonprofits and other activist groups like uh, the Alaska Center to help candidates, particularly in this case, extreme left-wing candidates, either retain their seat from a, a recall effort or to get into power at the mayor position. That's what happens. It's very simple, very easy, very little laws about it. Um, and that's sort of what's going on now. The problem is, is that Dunbar is touting, he's being very vague with the numbers, right? Example, as you read further, a review of the Dunbar financial report from APOC or the Alaska Public Offices Commission shows that more than 90% of Dunbar's campaign funds come from, you guessed it, out of state with 18.5% of his donors nowhere near Alaska. Now, he was touting those 1,600 individual donors, but he has 431 of those 
are out-of-state donors for a total of 60 grand coming from the lower 48, not including those bypass uh, streams of revenue and marketing efforts. So 60,000 are from out-of-state lower 48 donors. Now, before, I got a lot of flack for saying, well, maybe those are people that are snowbirds. In the comments on the YouTube page and elsewhere, I uh, said, really? You're going to try to defend Forrest Dunbar? And I said, listen, I I'm just trying to think of how why a candidate for a municipality in a, in a state that has less than a million people in it would, would generate this kind of out-of-state donation. And I just tried to th think logically. Now, that's not the only thing that I thought, but I thought to try to think logically. But no, 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 no. Of course, you know, Forrest can't help himself. And uh, the people in his campaign and a lot of the people that are pushing for him to be mayor can't help themselves. And, and it goes to my, to my very first point on this podcast. Let's circle back. Vote, 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 vote. Okay? Vote. Let's compare this to another conservative candidate. Let's call Dave Bronson. Dave Bronson has 45 out-of-state donors. 45, as opposed to Forrest's 431. Quote, wondering how the recall opposition can afford to run nonstop TV and digital ads to keep Forrest on the assembly? Because the Alaska Center is funding it, and at least 50,000 has come from the Tides Advocacy Organization, funding them from California, writes Russell Biggs on Facebook. Now, Biggs, if you remember, was on as a guest with Suzanne Downing. And he's a Midtown resident who's behind the recall effort in, um, what's it called? Save Midtown? Reclaim Midtown? So this is very concerning. Very, very concerning. But doesn't surprise me. Uh, let's get on to another interesting and obviously big news. Uh, Kelly Chewbacca is uh, going to be running against the current sitting senator, U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski. Um, this was big news. If you want to hear more about this, you can listen to Monday's podcast with Suzanne Downing and John Quick. Uh, I just want to touch on a little, a little bit of some, some interesting information. Number one is this. This is going to be an interesting race. I think a lot of people have liked Kelly. I think they, they like what she's about. I think, I think Alaska likes Kelly. I think a lot of Alaskans are frustrated with Murkowski and her, her decisions. I think they are. Um, I think you could tell that because she lost the Republican primary and won on a write-in effort. One of two to ever do that and win. So she's not a dummy. Murkowski is not a dummy. Early in the year, she made a shift in her um, kind of her office, and I think that was because she knows that it's going to be a difficult uphill battle, uh, particularly now that she's kind of cranked off the both sides of the ticket here. Democrats are not happy with her because she's not voting uh, liberal enough. And, and certainly conservatives are not happy with her because she's not voting conservative enough. So she's in that kind of purgatory land right now, which is going to make her re-election difficult, not impossible, but difficult. And then there's Kelly. Kelly comes out. Kelly's an extremely intelligent person. So is a Markowski. Like, don't get me wrong. Markowski's not a dummy. She's an extremely gifted politician. But Kelly's coming out, and she's coming out strong. 
Um, if you watch that first video and you're a marketer like me, getting just a little insight, some of those stock photos, it's not even stock, some of those photos used were deliberate uh, because they resonate with Alaskans. They resonate with the fact that uh, Murskowski was giving Biden a hug. The, just remember, politics is all about emotion. And particularly negative emotion. Now, I'm not saying that Kelly's running a negative campaign. Not at all. She's running a true campaign. That video was great. That five-minute video about who who she was and why she's running and all that, true. Nothing negative about it. Everything in there was um, spot on and correct. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that video was negative. What I'm saying is, is that it's hard not to go negative when your opponent has done so many negative things for your state. Right? And so just watch for that messaging. Watch for the messaging because if, if I'm Murkowski and I'm I'm the marketing team there, uh, you know what's coming. If I'm her campaign manager, you know what's coming, and the, what's coming is the fact that she has she has sort of scorned the Alaskan people, and she's up for re-election next year. So, when Kelly, rightfully so, in her campaign, comes after all the things that she's done to to really just turn her back on Alaskans and in some of the voting records that she's done, some of the things she's voted for or against. I'm sure they'll come out with, oh, Kelly's running a negative ad. Well, no, she's just running a truthful ad that hurts you. So just watch that. Like, again, as a smart person, as a smart voter in this state, and as a person who's looking to understand politics more, if that's you, just watch how ads happen. Look for truth. Don't look for emotion. And that's what I tell every voter. Don't look for emotion. Don't get caught up in emotion. Emotion doesn't do you any good when you're voting. All it does is it makes you regret what you did later. Trust me. What you got to look through is the logical points and the actual, not just policies, but, but record. Look for the voting record. You can't hide from that. You just can't. So I'll be interested. I think this is going to be a fascinating race. I think Kelly is a, a really interesting candidate to have on here. She, uh, she's going full bore. She is going for it. So um, as we move forward and as we see how that works and really the Proof Center fundraising, I think a lot of people want, want to see because at some level, fundraising is, is how much momentum do you have behind your campaign, right? That's part of the reason why fundraising is looked at so, so diligently is because they want to see how, how many people are actually uh, for you. How, many peop- how much momentum does your campaign have? Because let's face it, everybody wants to be a part of a winner. So if Kelly comes out of the gate strong, gains a lot of traction, gets a lot of momentum in fundraising, that's going to be a political train that Murkowski is going to have to try to derail. And that's a difficult thing to do, particularly with what's been going on. And even in addition to that, there was an article on Must Read Alaska where uh, Murkowski's former sort of campaign consultant has switched, has switched sides now. Marian Pruitt, who is, you know, a principal at PS Strategies, has now changed campaigns and now will not be working with Murkowski, but working with Kelly's team, which is big, which is very big. So, again, this will be an interesting campaign. You're seeing people sort of move quickly over to Kelly's camp because I think they want to be a part of um, this momentum moving forward and help continue to generate it, create that snowball effect. But also, I think people are just done with with Markowski and her decisions and her voting and and feeling like their back has been, 
she's turning their back on Alaska. So very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, last, before we close out here, because I'm over time, but I got to get to this because there's there's a uh, there's something I've just got to get to. Uh, there's a couple articles written on Much Read Alaska about the uh, the Satan shoe, if you will, the devil shoe. Uh, Little Nas X, who is a kind of a, we'll just call him a, an artist, I guess is the best way to put it. I'm not a fan of his music. You would probably know him uh, by Old Town Road with Billy Ray Cyrus, that, uh, that song that was popular a year or two ago. He's come out um, and collaborated with uh, an organization to drop a Satan shoe. A, a Satan shoe. So MSCHF and Little Nas X have come together to collaborate on this shoe. And here's essentially what it is. It's It's got a uh, Bible verse on it. Luke, I can't remember exactly what, it, what the Bible verse is on there now. I probably should know this. But uh, it's got a Bible verse on there. Luke 10.18, I believe. Um, it's going to cost $1,018. Ha <laughs> ha, I get it. And there's only going to be 666 of them produced. And, uh, of course, you know, all their, their hailing to Satan. And the the kind of like crazy part is there'll be at least a drop of human blood in each shoe, which, my goodness, people, come on. I don't even care about the shoe, all of that. Am I a Christian? Yes. Do I care about the shoe? No. I, I, I don't care about the shoe. Here's what I care about right now, particularly for this podcast. When the shoe came out, Obviously, it created a stir, particularly in the conservative realm, particularly in conservative evangelical Christians, were disgusted by what they saw. And I was too, but I mean, look at the thing of the world we're in right now. So it didn't surprise me. I was just kind of like off-put by it. Here's what's really off-putting. Here's what just frustrates me, and I'm telling you, I don't know what to do because I'm only one person and I can't just get on Twitter or Facebook and, you know, I could make videos that go viral and, you know, to make my point, maybe go viral. But here's my point. And here's what I want conservatives to know. And you and, and I want you to watch out for this because it's only going to escalate from here. When conservatives made a big deal and then put a lot of pressure on Nike, because at first Nike did not sue. Everybody was upset. Nike didn't allow this. Nike didn't allow this. Well, they didn't disallow it either. And the shoe had been out for a couple days, almost a week, before Nike decided to sue. It took them that long. And you know why? Because people, conservatives who buy Nike too, decided, hey, if this is the way Nike's going to let their shoes be around, we'll just stop buying Nike. And as everybody knows in capitalism, when when money's affected, people listen. So Nike sues. Not my point. Here's my point. You had liberal individuals lambasting yelling, crying, just frustrated and angry over the fact that conservatives would try to cancel Nike and to boycott Nike over this shoe. And yet when conservatives and everybody else speaks out against progressive, liberal, left-leaning cancel culture, Dr. Seuss is a prime example. We are, it's, it's, unconscionable that conservatives or anybody else in that factor would say, what are you doing? Why are you canceling Dr. Seuss? The hypocrisy today is astounding and it's it makes my blood boil. This is the part. I don't care about a Nike shoe for devil worship. Like, 
it's it's immature, it's childish, and if you know anything about Little Nas X, it's there's there's a reason for it. He felt the church just absolutely just hurt him. He's a hurt. He's hurt. So this is how he pays back against conservative evangelical Christians. As he does this, because he knows what's going to happen. Whatever, I get it. I don't get it, but I understand what he's doing. But the thing that just makes me crazy is the fact that the left is so has no self awareness. Feels like they can do whatever they want. Feels like they could cancel anybody. And as soon as a conservative group begins to rise up and cancel this ridiculousness, we it's uh, that group is ostracized. How could you? That's ridiculous. Everything that the conservative would say about the cancellation of Dr. Seuss and just so easily dismissed is now being heaped upon conservatives because they're canceling Nike and or just boycotting them. It's like, I'm not going to be a part of an organization or a company that supports this. The hypocrisy in this is so ridiculous, and I want you conservatives to understand this. If we allow this to happen, if we allow this sort of nonsensical, illogical, lack of self-awareness continue, this is going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. And I want you to think about that. And that's why, to go full, full circle, voting for change is the most important thing you can do. So don't tell me you're not going to vote because you don't believe in the system. Don't tell me you're not going to vote because why does it matter? Don't tell me you're not going to vote because you can't change anything. Stop. Vote. Vote in the runoff and continue voting because your vote matters and it's the only way things are going to change. All right. Well, that's it for me today. I went way over. But uh, irregardless, I'm... uh, I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen. What's the runoff going to be? And I'm challenging you. Are you going to vote? Do it. Don't just sit on your feet. Don't sit on your hands. Don't sit on your butt. Actually do something to see change. All right. That's it for me this week. Guys, I'll see you next week. Take care. Take care.